in today's show. We're looking at the regular season, reviewing it for the Golden State Warriors. Michael Bolton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram, at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This is the last of the NBA team season reviews. Of course, the Golden State Warriors season is still going. They're currently 3-1 up in the Western Conference Finals over the Dallas Mavericks. Maybe they close it out today. I don't know. I would expect that I would th- I would pick them as favorites to win the title if they do get through. Um, tighter if it's against the Celtics and probably a lot easier if Miami does squeak past Boston in the end. But we don't know that. And that's not what we're here for in fantasy, though. We're here to talk about the team and what happened during the regular season and what we can expect as we move forward. Next week... We switch focus and move into NBA draft mode. There'll be a mock draft uh, Monday, first show or Sunday, whenever, whatever day it is, wherever you are. Um, so, guest time. Who do you think I'm going to have at number one in my first mock draft? Leave it in the YouTube comments. Rafael Barlow is going to be on next week as well. We're going to have a range of guests, heaps of them, heaps of fantasy, or fantasy guys. Uh, Matt Lawson, NBA Dynasty ADP, is going to be talking fantasy rookies. Uh, We're going to have lots of draft analysts, different guys, um, scouting type guys, analytics type guys, talking about all the prospects to get us ready for the NBA draft in about a month's time. So that's all coming up starting next week. But here we are ready to talk about those Golden State Warriors. So what did their season look like? Well, they were third in the West with a 53-29 and record, which I think is basically good enough for almost, I think the, the Heat had 54 wins, so almost the one seed in the East. They were strong. Obviously, they had struggled the two previous seasons without Clay Thompson, but this year was still a little bit different because Clay wasn't Clay and Clay didn't play for the first two and a half months. So it wasn't just the fact that Clay was back that caused them to be this good. They were just different. They had only the 17th best offense, very interestingly, but the best defense. Draymond Green, obviously a huge, huge part of that. And when he went down in like the January, February portion of the season, I think it was February. Uh, sorry, maybe more February, March, when he went down, the team swooned. They struggled. They wobbled. And we thought, oh, and that's what led me to have some concerns. Steph Curry fell off. Draymond wasn't there. The team didn't look the same. And I wasn't confident with them at all through the playoffs. But they're playing really well at the moment. Let's let's hope that they win this Western Conference Finals and this praise that I'm giving them now doesn't look stupid after being 3-0 up. But they did wobble towards the end of that season. But they've, well, this season. But they have been great in the playoffs and putting together some really, really strong numbers. In terms of the off-season for them, there's a bunch of their guys who are free agents. I'd say the probably the, the major major two, three, three really key role players. Kevon Looney, Gaz Payton, the doctor, and Otto Porter. Damian Lee, Andre Iguodala, Nemanja Bielica, all free agents as well. And they've all been, or they were all part of the rotation, basically Damian Lee less so. Iguodala, we know he's had so many injury concerns, and you'd have to imagine he's pretty close to retiring. 
But Porter, Peyton, these are minimum guys. And they don't have bird rights on them. So they have to either dip into the midi, the mid-level to bring them back or the, yeah, the, the taxpayer mid-level to bring them back, which I think is like $10 million and they can split that between the two of them. Or otherwise they can give them like $1.7 million or $2 million a year or something like that. It's not much. So some decision... And those guys, with how they played, you would expect that they will garner some interest across the league at higher numbers than that. I don't know that. But it is going to be interesting whether they're able to retain those guys. And what do they do with Looney? who's put up just gigantic playoff numbers. He's been huge with the alleged apparent return of uh, old Blunty next season. James Wiseman, who of course didn't play a second this season. Who knows what the plan is with Looney? Of course, I don't believe that Wiseman is the answer at all. Like not even close to it, but they would hope that he can develop into something. So what happens with Looney? I, I don't know. I think they'll bring him back. Maybe like on a two-year, $20 million deal would be my guess. But you know where it all fits together is very interesting. As for Wiseman, I think he'll be an interesting last-pick flyer next season. I don't particularly think he's going to be a good player at all, and I've said that all the way through the process. He's shown me nothing to suggest that he will be, but of course, he's barely played in three years. Didn't really play. Didn't play in college three games. Didn't play much as a rookie. And then didn't play at all this season. Think about this Warriors team. How good they've been as a dynasty. They had the two down years. Imagine they picked LaMelo Ball with that pick. That would have set them up for another run at being like a dynastic type team. But they didn't. They picked James Wiseman. Maybe he can be that guy. I don't think so. But we will find out. They've got um, extension discussions to have with... Uh, rookie extension discussions to have with Jordan Poole as well, who becomes a restricted free agent. Uh, this is final year of his rookie deal. So that's something for us to watch for as well. Juan Toscano Anderson, also a restricted free agent, who maybe, maybe not that big. I think they probably will bring him back, but he's 29. So you know, it's not like he's got a huge amount of um, forward growth coming his way. But I'll tell you what does have forward growth. And if you want to put some forward growth into your big muscles, Bilt Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And you know what? You know what Built Bar's done? They've listened. They're very good listeners. Active listeners, some might say. They've brought out granola bars. Now, granola is a very typical American word. And to be honest with you, I don't actually know what granola means. I think it means oats. But I know I hear you guys talk about granola all the time. And Built Bar has it. Granola bars. Three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. If you want to try all three, hey, Built Bar has a mixed box that you can get of their new granola bars. They're different from the bars. They're different from the puffs. They're locked or loaded with granola. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness, but just like the bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and just 4 grams of sugar in the Built Granola Bar. It will change your world. Well, Built, if it's going to change my world, how about you send me some? They're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. You're waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market. Bang, you're on. Here it is. Go get it. And then also tell me what granola is so I know more about it. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off built.com. Built Bar is, they still haven't adopted this phrase, Built Bar is built different. Let's talk built different. Let's talk Steph Curry, who was great. Absolutely no doubt about that. Um, a player that had an ADP of three in Yahoo Leagues. And 
if I remember correctly, what what did we? Yeah. Because he was the number two guy last season behind Jokic, right? And I was a little bit cautious about taking him in that area. I think I still had him fifth, maybe. But I didn't want to take him at two or three. And in the end, that turned out correct. He was the eighth ranked player. He started out the season red hot, and then he fell away. He's 34 years old. He's still playing really amazing basketball, and I think he should be if they close out tonight, the Western Conference Finals MVP, the Magic Johnson MVP. He's been amazing, right? Um, But he did fall off and he had some issues with his toe. But the common thing that I will talk about a lot is that when you are an amazing shooter, if you go from amazing to being just pretty good or very good, it's a hit. He shot 38% from three. Now, he still averaged 25.5 points with four and a half threes, but under 44% from the field. One of Steph Curry's fantasy strengths in the past was being a 49-50% field goal guy. He hit his twos at just 52% and threes at 38 and true shooting was down at 60. He's still amazing from the line, 92%. Not the best on the team. but still amazing there. Solid rebounds, solid assists, all good. But the top three Steph Curry was the bloke who's hitting them at 48% and these threes at 43%. And I worry that he's just, he's still excellent, but he's not otherworldly. Oh my God, this is Steph Curry, Steph Curry. This is still a very good Steph Curry. It's a 90% Steph Curry, but it's not the same Steph Curry. And I don't think that he's a top five player as we move forward. And in points leagues, you'll see he wasn't even a first rounder. 17th in points leagues, 42.95. That is, um, yeah, it's good. But if you took him at three in a points league, then you were mistaken to begin with. But it's pretty disappointing as a result. Now, of course, he's still awesome, right? He's still His impact numbers are still unbelievably good. He still was great for this team. He had a plus 10 on off. Like, he's still the best player in this team by a, a gigantic margin. And he's still, you know, I think, I haven't really talked about the All-NBA teams. I believe I had him in my first team All-NBA. Um, he didn't make that. Uh, I think he should have. But his advanced numbers are all still great. But again, that fall off in shooting didn't finish well at the rim. Mid-range is not, not great, not bad, not great. Three-pointers, not great. Only 77th percentile on three-point percentage. And it, it is something to think about. Does he go from top-end first round to back-end first round next season in drafts? Or does he actually become a second-round player? Hmm. We'll find out. This bloke loved picking Jordan Poole at around the 90 to 100 mark. We knew Clay was out. Poole was going to have a pretty big role. And it was a, a, a solid pick in that area. His ADP ended at 102. It started out at like 250, as sites didn't know what they were doing. And if you drafted early, you're able to snag him really easily. But he blew away my expectations as well. There's a 54th ranked player, Jordan Poole. 30 minutes a game, 18.5 points, 2.8 threes, 4 assists, shot 45 from the field, and then a, a staggering 93 from the line. He was unbelievable from the free throw line. He's the best free throw shooter on this team. That includes Steph Curry. He had some struggles early on. He blew up and then he fell away and then he had a really strong stretch. And then when Clay came back, he couldn't figure it out. He just was not right at all. He moved back to the bench when he played with Clay. It just, it didn't work for him. He, he was quite poor for the first bit of time. And then something clicked and they figured it out and they would run Steph and Clay and pull all together. And he was back being good again. Now, he's had some struggles. He's had some big moments in the playoffs. He's had some struggles in the playoffs as well. But regardless of where he plays, and there were plenty of times this season, and I don't really think this is arguable. You might argue it. He was better than Clay Thompson. 
this season. I think over fantasy, obviously, but even in real life, I think he was better than Clay Thompson for portions of this season. And that's fine because Clay's 32 coming off two, you know, 900 days out of basketball. But Poole was really, really good. 18.5 points, as I said. Shot 36% from three. And irrespective of if he starts or comes off the bench next season, there's no reason really that he can't replicate what he did this year. Can he beat it? I'm not sure about that. How does he get better? 26 usage, does that go up with a full Clay Thompson season? I think where you got to look at it is 36% from three to 38 or 39. Taking 18.5 points to 19 points or 19.3 points. You know, four assists to 4.5. And the other big one is 0.8 steals to 1.2 steals. Yeah, that can happen and that can solidify him as top 50. I don't think he gets outside of the sixth round in fantasy drafts next year. He's only 20, about to turn 23. And Steph and Clay, they are they are getting older. I think Poole is going to have, I would suggest, multiple top 50 fantasy seasons. And he was one of the worst players in the NBA as a rookie. And even as he, in his second year, he struggled early, picked it up towards the end of the season, and then absolutely blew up this year. I thought he was very impressive. His advanced numbers are all really strong as well. Really, really strong. Like, you know, very high on this team in terms of EPM. He was fifth. Actually, Clay was ahead of him there. Raptor, he was fourth. LeBron, he was fifth. Ahead of Clay in, in those two as well. So, really impressive season from um, the swimmer, Jordan Poole. Points League's not quite as good. 29 fantasy points. Maybe he's a top 50 points player. That's a harder one to get to. Let's talk about Draymond, who was 57th in category leagues, 80th in points leagues. He averaged 30 fantasy points. And he's that rare guy who does it literally while just killing your points. He's a punt points player. 7.4 points per game. Only .33s. But how does he do it? Well, seven boards, seven assists, 1.4 steals, and a block. And he shot 53% from the field this year, which is not usual for Draymond to be that efficient of a scorer. He only shot 30 from three, but 59 from two. He started this season with a real issue in terms of the defensive stats weren't there. And we've seen this from Draymond before. He he starts off and people drop him. People drop Draymond Green. Because he wasn't, he was averaging like seven, you know, four and five or something, or seven, five and six. And there was no defense coming. But eventually that stuff comes back. And it came back. And it came back really well to provide good numbers across the board. But it doesn't work for everybody where his value lies. He is 32 as well. His ADP was 61 this year and he finished 57, so that's fine. Missed a lot of time, obviously. Yeah, you're not taking him in the top 60. I wouldn't take him in the top 70 next year with injury risk, with the fact that that shooting might regress and there's going to be ups and downs. But in the 80s, 90s, if he's there, sure. But it has to fit a very specific team because if it doesn't, if you take him on the wrong squad and you add him to your team, it blows everything up. On the right team, it accentuates everything. But on the wrong team, it screws you, especially if you take him like round five, if you have, which you shouldn't. But if you do happen to take him there, it screws everything. But of course, he was he was quite strong again this season from an encore perspective. Defensively, he's ramped it up again in the playoffs as he always does. But even his regular season playoffs, according to EPM, his defensive EPM was 100th percentile. That's like best in the NBA. Like he was amazing. All of his advanced numbers are really strong. As per usual, we don't expect really anything less from old Draymond Green. Young Draymond Green, depending on how you want to phrase it. Let's look at the next bloke. It is Clay Thompson. Finally came back. A guy that I thought 
ADP was too high at 110th. People were drafting him sometimes in like the 80s, 90s. And he did play better than I expected. Different than I expected, but better. He was 77th on a per-game basis. My point for not taking him in that top 100 was, A, the top 30 clay in the past was on the based on the back of hitting a lot of threes when the NBA didn't hit as many threes as they do now. So the relative value of his three-pointers dropped. And we saw that. He still hit 3.6 dribbles. It's not as valuable as what it was in the past. And he doesn't offer anything in those other categories. And the fact that he would miss a ton of time. Came back in January and then missed you know, all those back-to-backs. He played 30 games. That's why you don't want to take him there. So on a per-game basis, it looks like he smashes ADP. He's nowhere near beating ADP. He wasn't rosterable for most of the season with how few games he played. But he still averaged 20 points per game. Four rebounds, three assists. And that's the thing that I think improved the most for me with him was his passing. But he's never been a steals and blocks guy. He averaged half a steal, half a block. And the thing that was really poor for me with, with Clay watching him was he was just jacking some terrible shots. He was well below league efficiency, league average efficiency, under 55% true shooting. So he was trying to get his rhythm back, get himself back into that. But overall, I, I don't think he was a particularly positive player for most of the regular season. And, and that's harsh on the bloke, but he did struggle. Defensively, he's not the same. Offensively, he's not the same. That's all to be expected to have that drop off. And he was forcing it a little bit too much. I expect there to be significant improvements in Clay Thompson's game next season with shot selection, maybe ramping the usage down and getting efficiency back up. But I, I, I don't think he's going to play back-to-backs again. And I don't think he's going to be a top 80 draftable player, probably not top 100. Oh, I wouldn't have thought he'll be a later round guy. Look, the 20 points is really useful. And maybe that pushes him into the top 100 just to get 20 points. But he might play 60 games and he might be a 42% shooter again. Probably not, probably 44, 45 but the game, it's really predicated around him being a 20-point-per-game guy. He only played 29 minutes a game this season as well. So that should be able to go up somewhat. Let's talk about Wigo, who, of course, was named as an all-star starter. Fraudulently, erroneously, he shouldn't have been. He's not that good. But in the playoffs, he's played really well. In the regular season... He had some good moments. He had a stinking like six-week to eight-week stretch through February, March, where he was dreadful. And of course, in fantasy, he was bad again. Well, pretty bad, relatively bad. 128th in category leagues, 88th or 87th in points leagues, averaging almost 30 fantasy points. He averaged 17 points in 32 minutes, two threes, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, 0.7 blocks, 46. And inexplicably, he can't shoot free throws. And I don't think we should ever expect him to do it again. 63% from the line. I don't know why he went from an 80% guy to being atrocious like this and being a punt free throw guy, but he is. Nothing about his other numbers stand out. Bad rebounder, bad assist guy, average steals, average blocks, average threes, slightly above average scoring. So he's sort of just average everywhere and then hurts you in free throws. Again, he had some really positive moments. He had some stinking moments. He was, interestingly... um, what, sixth on this team in Raptor? Mainly fueled by how well he played defensively. He was sixth on this team in EPM with a 1.2. Again, but based on being 80th percentile defensively. The shooting and the efficiency is a worry. The fact that he can't pass is an issue. But defensively, he's been, he was really, really good. And that doesn't mean that I'm taking him anywhere near the top 100. And without doubt, he will have 
uh, ranking inside the top 100 next season. His ADP was 82 this year. People will draft him there, and they will be wrong. And that will happen every single year. He always sits in this 80 zone for God knows what reason, and people draft him there, and it's the wrong call. And it will just consistently happen. So that's why Andrew Wiggins is really very rarely on any of my fantasy teams. After those guys, it's a little bit rough. Otto Porter was really good, I thought, at times this year. He only averaged eight points, but 1.3 triples, six rebounds, a steal, half a block, 46 and 80. And he was 155th ranked player in category leagues. He had moments where you could stream him in. He wasn't must roster by any stretch. And in points leagues, he was 181st. But he just couldn't really stay healthy. He'd miss back-to-backs. He played 63 games in 22 minutes. When realistically, if fully healthy Otto Porter would have been getting 29 minutes a game on this team and being a top 100 guy. And I thought there was a chance of that. I thought maybe we'd get 27 minutes of Porter and maybe he'd push into that and he'd be an okay guy to look at with your last pick. Didn't really work out because he just couldn't get those minutes up. And again, we're seeing now even in the playoffs that he's having this foot problem that's keeping him out of games. As I said earlier, he's got the contract situation where he's on a minimum. Does he stay? Does he go? He's only 29. Can you believe Otto Porter's 29? I can't. It's ridiculous. But I thought he was really impactful. Defensively, Offense, I thought he was very, very good, and I would have loved to see uh, an increased role for him, but I just don't think his body can handle it. Even if he goes to another team, you wouldn't want to take him unless it's your last pick and just hope, my God, is this a season that his body can stay healthy? I don't think that's happening. Let's look at the doctor, Gary Payton, who, again, was just a gigantic surprise. Almost didn't make this team. I can't remember who it was that it was down to between... Him and someone for that last roster spot. Who I can't remember who it was. But he made it, made the team. Actually, he got waived and then brought back, didn't he? He averaged only seven points. Much like Draymond Green, that's not where the value is. 3.4 rebounds? Sure. 0.9 assists as a point guard? Shit else. But 1.3 steals, that's it, isn't it? And somehow, one of the most unbelievable field goal percentage guys in the league. 62% from the field. Yes, the volume is not particularly high, but he hit his, um, and he's not a good shooter, like 36% from three. That's not that good. It's fine. It's not that good. 75% from two. And he did that consistently all year. He was a guy that when you saw the few minutes spike up, when Clay was out especially, you'd roster him because you'd get two to three steals regularly. He was second on this team in EPM. Defensively, he was unbelievable. His effective field goal percentage was 98th percentile. Yes, low volume, but 68%. He was second on this team in Raptor because of his defensive prowess. His advanced numbers were absolutely through the roof this season, Gary Payton. I don't think that he's a plus 5.9 on-off as well. I think that his offensive limitations mean you can't really play him that much. But as a defensive guard, he's one of the best. In fact, he's almost BITB. Best in the business. And that two-point efficiency is unbelievable. And that helps in fantasy. But if we're looking at Gaz and going, well, yeah, 17 minutes only, man, wait till he gets 28. I don't think he's getting 28. I don't think that's a possibility for him. He's also, you hold on to your dicks, he's going to turn 30 in six months. He's going to turn 30. So the growth, the long-term future really isn't there for him. Kevon Looney averaged six points per game. One of the worst fantasy options you could find, I think. Not really, but really. 229th ranked player, 57 from the field, seven boards. The boards are nice. Looney's are really yet blew up in the playoffs. But what does it what does it mean? It doesn't mean shit for us in fantasy. And this is without 
Um, Wiseman around. He still only played 21 minutes. Don't know what his future holds or where he goes next season. I think he'll be back. But we don't want anything to do with him in fantasy. Again, really important player for them. Really makes things work. He's smart. He's a good defender. He's a solid offensive player. He's got no real scalability despite the big playoff games. Low usage. Finishes at the rim well. Rebounds really well. Offensively rebounds well. Very good at those things. But it doesn't really translate massively into fantasy, does it? Remember game one of the season? Nemanja Bialica went bananas and everyone rushed to grab him. Man, he's a must-add player. And that was fine to stream him, but there was, all, there was zero chance that that was going to stick all season. And in fact, it didn't. He was the 285th, sorry, 81st-ranked player. He averaged six points with four rebounds, no defensive stats, low assists, lost minutes out of the rotation at times, 16 fantasy points per game. It was never going to stick. You always have those random opening night where there's two games on and one player goes crazy and everyone scrounges and probably makes dumb decisions and drops players to get someone that's got doesn't really have a path to be that player. And Bielitsa was that guy this year. I wish I could remember exactly what I said about him um, after that first game in terms of... was I, on the, I don't think I was on the hype train. I'd, I'd like to hope that I wasn't, but I don't remember what I actually said back then. I'm actually, while we're doing this, before I, because I'm going to talk about the two rookies soon. Um, I just want to find out what I actually said about beer leads. I'm going to go to my notes on Basketball Monster. What did I say opening night? He looked really solid. I said, I wonder what his role is when Wiseman returns, but he's got deep league appeal. Okay. And then after game one, it was like, yeah, don't worry about him. He had 15, 11, and 4 in that first game. Oh, yeah, that's right. He shot 86%. We said there's no way that's going to stick. Um, yeah, sir. Okay. I wasn't in on the hype. That's good. Deep league appeal. I'm happy with saying that. Damian Lee. I think Damian Lee's time as an NBA rotation player is done. 7 points, 44%, 88 from the line, 3 rebounds, 1 assist. Exposed a bit in the playoffs, a lot in the playoffs. I don't really... Look, he isn't a free agent. He didn't do anything this season to get me excited. And with Poole, Clay with Steph, with the rookies coming through. There's no space for him, or anything left in the NBA. And he had some moments of being like a 14-team league guy in the past few years. It's not happening for him anymore. He's also turning 30 in a couple of months. And I don't think there's much to get excited about when looking at him. But let's talk about the guys who is a little bit more excitement with, and that's Johnny Kaminga. Kaminga was the, what, sixth pick or seventh pick? I don't remember. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Seventh, I think. Nine points, 0.73s, three rebounds, 0.4 steals, 0.3 blocks. Shot 51 from the field and 68 from the line. He was 334th in category leagues. He had moments where he would start, he would put up big numbers, but he was wildly inconsistent. And then his on-court play would leave Steve Kerr to go, oh, I see why I wasn't playing you. And then push him back to the bench. He, had, he has moments, he has flashes. And he's one of those guys, he's a very big, he's a bull don't stop. He's a BDS, let's call him that. The guys who flash, and then old mate tweets about them and talks about, man, what a baller. He's so good. And then we don't hear shit from him when he has four points on one of seven with eight turnovers and hits two or three from the line in 12 minutes. Like, we don't hear about the bad. And there was a lot of bad. Was he better than I anticipated? Yeah, I thought he'd be, like, unplayable. He was at times, but he was playable in lots of spots. He was much better than I thought he would be. But still, a long way away from fantasy relevancy, the low assist worries me. The low three-point volume worries me. The low three-point shooting worries me. I think that the defensive stats for him are something that's going to improve and he can be a one-steal and one-block guy. So I've got some hope that there, that something happens there. 
But impact-wise, he was pretty rough. He was the worst player on this team in terms of Raptor. He was almost the worst player in EPM. And he was close to the worst on LeBron. In fact, Damian Lee was worse than him and Moses Moody, who we're going to talk about in a second. But there's still some upside. Now, how does... You know, again, we've got Wiseman in there. Is Wiseman Kaminga the front court of the future? I think the Warriors hope it is. I'm not that convinced, though. And next season, when Wiseman is back and there's still Draymond there and there's Wiggins and there's a healthy Clay and there's Poole and there's Steph, the 17 minutes he played in 70 games, does it actually go up? Does Kaminga play 25 a night? I, I'm not supremely confident in it. I don't know yet because I haven't done the projections. I don't know how the team looks, but you've got to slot you know, 18 minutes of Wiseman in there. He probably takes the 16 that Bielitsa played plus a little bit more. Looney maybe loses a couple. I guess Porter could go and maybe Kaminga gets Porter's 22 minutes. Yeah, so maybe that's fine. If Porter's not there, maybe John can take those minutes. But I'm not 100% convinced that there's future star in him with some of the deficiencies in shooting um, and passing, three-pointers and defensive stats I think will come. But I'm not convinced that he's like a top 40 upside long-term guy. I'm not, I'm not convinced of that. When you look at Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, Modi moves, Moses Moody. Ah, uh, Moses Moody. I like him. I liked him as a player in the draft. I had him as a top 10 guy. I think I had him as a top 8 guy. Went at 14. He averaged 4 points. Hit a 3 a game, 44 and 78. He was ranked 457th. 7 fantasy points. Like, they're shit numbers. Like, they're very bad numbers. I'm not discouraged. I actually think, again, his advanced numbers are all pretty rough. Like, really bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. They're not absolute disasters, but they're not great. Offensively, he's had some struggles. Defensively, I think he held up. I I think... I won't say he's on the Jordan Poole path, because I'm not sure he's that player. But... I saw him play enough, and I saw enough from him for me to say, this is a fantasy-relevant guy in two years' time. It's going to be when Clay retires, or Clay moves on, or Clay, whatever. That might be three years' time. There needs to be a rotation opening. Curry, Clay, Poole, Wiggins, they're all there. Right? There needs to be a rotation opening, but 12 minutes a game... It was, it was okay. I'm still having faith in him. And if we had to bet between him and Kaminga, I think Kaminga will be the more flashy guy, but Moody will be the more reliable guy. And I don't know if he's got top 50 fantasy upside. I think Kaminga does. The chance of getting there is low, but I think he does. I just don't expect it to happen anytime soon. I think the odds would say Kaminga doesn't get there. But, yeah, if I can squint and see it. With Moody... I can't really squint to see that, but I can see top 90, Contavious Caldwell, Pope sort of fantasy numbers. Maybe a little bit better than that. Not writing him off. And I think if you're in dynasty formats, it's a bit of a good buy low for Moody, I think. Because he hasn't had the opportunity here. It's probably two to three years away. And I still have some faith in him. What do you think of Moody? What do you think of Kaminga? Who do you think is a better player in the long term? Let me know. Guys, That'll do it for us today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're here on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. It's good to be back doing these live back in Australia, of course, after those pre-recorded shows. And now we head into the NBA draft next week. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone.
See ya.